0: God how we need you today how weak we are without you how strong we are with you come and open our hearts open our minds open our ears to all that you have for us today and may I be useful to you in Jesus name Amen. If I'd been thinking better, I would have gotten a mobile mic, but I forgot to, so I'm going to confine myself to this space here. Um, What's the focus of the readings today? Anybody get a clue? Maybe the law, right? Or laws? Now, why this time of year would we be thinking about stuff like that? Well, in the church calendar, we're getting really close to Advent. We're, you know, not, we're not counting the shopping days, but the, the days prior to Advent, it's only a couple weeks of Sundays, or a couple Sundays, a couple weeks. And Advent, contrary to the flow of popular culture, is a time of, of repentance. It's a penitential season. And you ask, well, why is that? Because when John the Baptist came, he said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. time of preparation. But some will ask, theologically, what's the whole point of preaching about the law, teaching about the law? We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, right? Forget the law. What does it matter? Well, when I was first pastoring, I had a young couple in my church who really loved the idea of going out and pooling some money, buying some land, and doing a Christian community, a Christian commune. And you know, historically, Protestants have tried that a number of times. Some heretical groups and also some Orthodox groups have tried that. And whenever you do that, you need a bunch of really logical and sound rules because people living in proximity that close together rub each other the wrong way from time to time and you got to have some rules to settle out what the uh, what the acceptable norms of behavior would be but what if just for the sake of logic what if i announce today that hey I'm going to be getting some money together. I'm going to buy some land. We're going to set up a Christian commune. And all of you guys, you're welcome to come and be part of it. And guess what? No rules, just grace. No rules, just forgiveness. It'll be great. Right? Come on, don't you see? Anything would be okay. It would all be good because of grace. Right? Don't you see? You could do anything you want and it would be okay. Uh oh. Um, so could everyone else. They could do whatever they want to, also, even maybe stuff to me and my family. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Let's hold on. Maybe these fears are unjustified because after all, doesn't the world tell us that people are basically good? That human nature is good. We all just want to do the right thing, right? Isn't that what the world tells us? No. No. It's what the world tells us, but the assessment of Scripture is right when it says that human nature was crippled and broken and flawed through the fall. And that when we strive to do right, we still end up so often doing wrong. And then there are those who don't strive to do right. The purpose of laws, whether God's laws or man's law, is to set boundaries, to set some limits to the behavior of fallen human beings. And it's for their happiness and their safety. Where laws are fair, where laws are applied fairly, and respected by both the public and those responsible for enforcing the laws, societies tend to flourish. That's why the founders of our country said that this democracy only makes sense for a religious people. Because we need not only the laws, but we need that internal check to say, I need to do this because it's the right thing. In contrast, where the laws are not fair, or where the laws are not applied fairly, or respected by those who must live under them, and those who are enforcing them as well as must live under them, Those cultures tend to struggle and flail and flounder. And you can see that all around the world. A friend of mine, a friend of mine from my seminary days has a a ministry that emphasizes the love of God and that people need to experience God's love. So I was kind of surprised when three days ago I got a, an email that he sent out from his ministry and it quoted this passage from Joshua as an example of God's love. It's Joshua 1, 7-8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now I'm sure that some of this points to God's intervening mercy and His intervening blessing. But I think some of it is just stating the simple fact that when we honor righteous laws... Our society prospers, and when our society prospers, we prosper with it. Now, for those who say that all of that is good and fine, but really, shouldn't we be talking about grace and forgiveness? Isn't grace what the Gospel is all about? I mean, really, how dare we teach and preach about law? And what matters is grace. Let me indulge in some simple basic logic with you. If God's law really counts for nothing, then why is grace necessary? If God's law is really irrelevant, then who needs forgiveness? You see, forgiveness and grace presuppose a moral law and it presupposes that we violated that moral law and stand in need of mercy and stand in need of forgiveness and stand in need of grace. Grace and forgiveness presuppose the moral law and they make no sense apart from a law that's been violated. But while the law has a good purpose of directing, of corralling human behavior, isn't it true that the very fallenness of human nature, the very fallenness of you and me makes it possible for human beings to try to adhere to the at least some of the provisions of the law in the most diabolical ways possible? Isn't that what Jesus was taking on the Pharisees about? Isn't that His main argument against them? That they kept it in the most diabolical way that He could imagine? Matthew twenty three, twenty three through 28 Woe to you teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin... But you've neglected the important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law. And Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean up the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be also, uh, will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside... Full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's why Jesus was always more interested in the intention and the spirit of the law and in keeping those things first and foremost. You heard it in our reading today. Brooke asked you to pay special attention to it. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see, when we have our hearts set on loving God and on loving others, we're not looking for all the possible loopholes that would allow us to not love God and not love neighbor. Instead, we're fulfilling rather than debating. So then what is the relationship between the moral law of God and the grace that comes to us through Christ? What's the point of it all? How do they connect? Our reading from Hebrews this morning touches on that. Speaking of Christ, the text of Hebrews 7:27 reads Unlike the other high priests, He, that is Christ, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for His own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when He offered Himself. Christ Himself became the sacrifice for our sins, for yours and for mine and for the sins of the world. He offered Himself for our having broken God's moral law. You see, there are provisions in the Old Covenant for forgiveness. It would always cost you something, something valuable. You could select from your own flock if you had a herd, a perfect animal according to the the prescribed animal for that sin. Or you could go and buy one. But it cost you something. And you would take that animal to the priest who would slay that animal. And that animal would give its life for your sins. But the writer of Hebrews also says in Hebrews chapter ten four, that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to actually take away sin. That remained for Jesus to fulfill when He offered Himself on the cross for the sins of the world. Okay, okay, so then why would Paul say that we are no longer under the law? And he does say that. You see, Paul was talking to people who were erroneously being taught that focusing on keeping the law would be the foremost way in how people would be righteous and holy before God. That through keeping the law, they could ultimately please God perfectly. In response, Paul saying that the law cannot make us perfectly holy because we can't perfectly keep the law. Only the sacrifice of Christ, only the shed blood of Christ upon the cross can make us perfectly acceptable to God. Perfectly acceptable to a perfectly holy God. Furthermore, what Paul points out is that focusing on the law, with our fallen human natures focusing on the law, seems at times to only increase the temptations that we face. The law can actually stimulate sin. He writes it this way in Romans 7, verse 5, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, We've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Now, how's that? How does the law stimulate sin? Well, think of it this way. Let me say that I ask you right now, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't let this happen. Do not in your mind see a picture of a spoon. All right, you with me? Now substitute whatever moral prohibition you choose. I remember when I was working for retail, I don't want to tell you how many years ago, it was Christmas time, the Christmas season, and money was just flowing in, and and the money was being counted that night, and there was a stack of $20 bills this tall. And I'm thinking, you know, that is so cool. I do not feel any temptation to take any of that money. And just as soon as I said it was, you know, I could probably... (laughs) Isn't that how it works? That the thing that's prohibited sometimes becomes more desirable than if it weren't? That's our fallen human nature at work in us. But Paul... Paul introduces another idea. Instead of focusing on the various details of the law, he says instead, focus on obeying the leading of the Spirit in your life. That's how you avoid sin, he says. Listen to how Paul writes about the same topic in Galatians 5, beginning with verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard that before, right? Okay. If you keep bond biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the natures, the, the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know what you, do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay, again. So, why are we focusing on the law today given what Paul just said, right? Now it's interesting that he even brings up the law. He said the entire law is summed in this, love the neighbor your neighbor as yourself, right? He says it's no longer about the law itself. It's about the spirit versus the sinful nature. The spirit versus our fallen nature. Now listen to the next part of the passage. It's still part of that same Galatians chapter. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and wickedness, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that sounds like the law. But he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What Paul describes as the acts of the sinful nature obviously includes so many things that are prohibited by the moral law of God. And he even goes beyond that, really. So if you get nothing else from this, realize this, that living in grace cannot simply mean doing whatever we want. So then, what is the purpose of the law in the life of a Christian? May I give you the analogy of life as a road? At times it can be a windy and treacherous road. May I have the, uh, the first image? Now think as you're driving of what you were taught in driver's ed, you aim down the center of the lane you're driving in. Think of that like following the Spirit. As long as we follow the Spirit, we're going to be in the center of that road. Now think of the guardrails, if you would, as being the moral law. So long as we follow the Spirit, so long as we go down the middle of the road, we don't even have to think about that guardrail, do we? And if we do find ourselves starting to scrape that guardrail, isn't it because we have stopped aiming down the middle of the road? Likewise, if in our lives we find ourselves rubbing up against the moral law of God, contemplating things that we 've been told are forbidden, doesn 't that mean that we have stopped following the spirit of God? With that, I think we can gain some additional insight into what Jesus talks about about the law being summed up matthew mark rather twelve twenty nine The most important one, commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Do you see how with this, Jesus is pulling us away from the guardrail toward the center of that lane? If we're really loving God, if we're really loving our neighbor, we don't have to get into the minutiae and details of, of what's prohibited, do we? And if we're following the Spirit, same thing. Now, it is possible to drive a car down a road... Let me go ahead and have the second image too, if I might. Thank you. It is possible to drive a car down the road by staring at the guardrail, isn't it? And using that to steer and guide and set your direction. But it doesn't work all that well, does it? In fact, most of the stories you hear about somebody guiding their car down the road by the guardrail, it's usually because there's a dense fog or heavy driving rain, and often these stories don't end very well at all. Because strangely, oddly, the risk of scraping into that guardrail goes up the more we focus on that guardrail, doesn't it? And not only that, but as we drive down the road focusing on that guardrail, we can begin to think of it not so much as there for our safety, as there to limit our freedom. And we can find ourselves thinking of ways to skirt the law, as though looking for gaps in the guardrail through which we can plunge down into what we think just might be freedom. The truth is that we all do better driving down the road when we focus on the center of our lane as we drive. We all do better through life focusing on the Holy Spirit of God and where He's leading us, don't we? And yes, it is certainly possible to drive on a road that has no guardrails at all. May I see the third image? It can be done. And it is done. But there really, really is something comforting about having a guardrail there, isn't there? Yeah. It's still helpful as we drive on the treacherous roads of life to have guardrails. And it's helpful for us to understand the moral laws of God as we go down the road of our life for several reasons. One is because there's a lot of distractions in life. And there's a lot of people and spiritual forces trying to distract us. Trying to get us out of the center of our lane. Trying to keep us from following the Spirit of God. And it's important also because sometimes we can think we're following the Spirit of God and we're not. We're following something else. Entire churches have succumbed to that. I think of Jim Jones and the thousands of people that died following a false prophet. So we find ourselves contemplating an action or an attitude forbidden by the moral law of God. That should sound an alarm for us because it means that either we've been pushed out of the center of our lane by something... Or we're following something that's not the Holy Spirit. Because of this, it can be a good attitude a couple times a day just to check ourselves. How is this attitude or action helping me love God? Am I loving God through doing this? How is this attitude or action helping me love other people? Am I loving other people, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ, through doing this? So what then is the point on this rather convoluted journey that I've taken us on today? First is that God has provided standards and rules for how we should live our lives, how we interact with Him, how we interact with other people. And when we've violated any of these standards or rules, we're in need of grace. We're in need of forgiveness. We've had a real moral failure. And we need God to say, my son paid for that. Come home. It's okay. We are in need of that stunning sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross once and for all. And so have you told God that you believe Him? Have you told Him that you believe what Jesus did for you on the cross? Have you asked Him to forgive you through the shed blood of Christ to make you a new creature in Him so that the old things can pass away and new things can come? And if you're a follower of God today, have you been really earnestly seeking to follow the leadership of God's Holy Spirit? That's the essence of the Christian life. To follow the leading of the Spirit. Doing that is an example of both the grace of God that we can do it at all. That we have the Spirit to follow. And it's also a process, sometimes of trial and error. And that's why it is really helpful to know what those guardrails are. So that if we suddenly come face to face with them, we can go gosh, I guess I stopped following the Spirit. Let me get back on the road again. And because of that, it's good for us to be familiar with the Scriptures. It's good for us to be familiar with at least the moral, basic moral terms of the law of God. So that we have that that check that tells us, uh uh-oh, something's not right here. Time to get back on the road. So if you're a follower of God today, are you, are you becoming familiar with these things? Are you learning them? Are you letting them be in your heart? Are you following the Spirit of God? You see, the road of life is a great but treacherous adventure. Much like that road there. And it's so much better when we can keep to the center of our lane. A lot of things are going on today. And I know at least one of these will be a concrete way to show the love of Christ to some Christian sisters far away. But more will come of that later.